0: John, it's a week late, but let's talk about our film struck four. <laughs> <laughs> I think actually uh, Billy Eichner did the best one, which is "No Film Defines Me," <laughs> and that's true. I I thought it was a fun little campaign. Again, about nature gazing, it's all about. I you, mean, it was very very popular. Oh good yeah. for them. Yeah, it was a good hit. Yeah, hopefully it it translated into some signups for the service. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the original rules were even tougher. Like you had to pick four movies that defined you from struck. and unless you're a weirdo like me and you've seen a lot of <laughs> movies on the criterion collection then you're kind of sol there but yeah exactly oh i think that was kind of lost in translation because oh, there was okay, definitely yeah. a lot of people putting up uh, one person i follow on uh, twitter named branson reese he included pink flamingos which i think is on criterion yeah but then he also included who framed roger rabbit so there you go yeah He's an illustrator by trade, and a I very see. weird one, so, okay. so I <laughs> a window see how... into who he is as a person. Yeah. That, uh, if if anything, if nothing else, I, I did appreciate the chance to look at other people's uh, film choices and judge them from afar. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I did see one, because Filmstruck liked a lot of them. I think they liked ours. Um, mm-hmm. we, we did a joke one. It was hilarious. <laughs> Well-received. <laughs> <And, and, and, laughs> the people adored it. <laughs> But I saw one. It was a it was a young woman who is a uh, furry. We've talked about furries on this show in the past, <laughs> <laughs> and so her choices were, you know, obvious enough. Uh, Lion King, Balto, uh, Zootopia, and I can't remember the fourth <laughs> one. But I thought, like, hey, her choices probably reflect her, you know, identity clearer than mine do. So, so who am I to judge? <laughs> I mean, if anyone picked the Goonies, then I was supremely disappointed, and they got an unfollow and a block, so yeah. there you go. That's a good point, yeah. Th- thankfully, I didn't see any, like, bros like, yeah, movies that define me, uh, Dark Knight, Gladiator, 300, Fight Club, Fight yeah. Club's awesome. Yeah. It shows how awesome Fight Clubs are, and fighting is the mm-hmm. best. <laughs> American Psycho, dude, Patrick is so cool. Yeah. All the, all the cool marine yelling scenes in Jarhead. <laughs> Subtext is complicated for me. Yeah. Yeah, thankfully, I didn't see any of those. So, okay. John, what were yours? Let's remind the audience. Again, this is a week late, but go ahead. And... Oh, okay. I, I went with Metropolis, obviously my favorite film. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I went with uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, because I'm trying to look woke AF <laughs> on Twitter, obviously. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's a great film that you adore. Of course. And, and then yeah. I went with two 80s, 80s art house classics, mm-hmm. uh, My Dinner with Andre and Amadeus. Okay, well... Yeah, I wouldn't call Days an art house classic. It did win Best Picture, so. Okay, fine. Yeah. Art house can win Best Picture. Mainstream choice, if you ask me. *Moonlight* was art house, and it still won Best That's Picture. True. That's true. So there point. you go. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. What did What did you pick, Greg? Well, so I picked rather than like top top tier favorite movie. Like *The Shawshank Redemption* wasn't among them. I picked movies that I thought like I was a, fundamentally a different person
1: after okay. i finished
0: watching this movie so um two of them are very instructive one is rashomon mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. again like very instructive in my in my film life um the other <laughs> one is called the promise it's a dardan brothers movie very realistic about a young boy helping a, a an illegal immigrant sorry mm-hmm. an undocumented immigrant uh so they are very instructive on how to act um there will be blood because that was very instructive on how not to act in certain situations <laughs> <laughs> Again, you and I saw that together when it came out in theaters, and just, yeah. wow. <laughs> Ch- changed our lives. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, of course, The uh, Truman Show. Yes, your favorite movie. Yeah, like Truman Burbank, uh, my life is a television show, and you know, I'm going to break free one of these days. You're, you're all just, you know, simulations and actors just, you know, trying to control mm-hmm. my life, but uh, one day I'll break free and uh, be loved mm-hmm. and adored by millions worldwide. <laughs> Do something! <laughs> What? I, I shout that, that to Greg when Greg, whenever Greg attacks me with a knife, I always have to say that. And then they do nothing. I know. they can only revive our dad so many times. It's ridiculous. Yeah. What are you gonna do, John? Slice me, dice me, or peel me? <laughs> There's So many choices. Uh, I'll find choices. I'll find yeah, choices. exactly. The point I is, mean, we're the point is we're geniuses, and you know we had the best film struck four of anybody. Yeah, obviously I, I didn't go with my absolute favorite, favorite movies because, again, they're they're kind of, again, like Shawshank Redemption. If that's your favorite movie of all time, then you're an extremely boring person, nice. let's be honest. <laughs> now, come on. I, there's nothing wrong with being boring and, and mm. sentimental and straight down the middle. There's nothing mm. wrong with that. And that's what I call a Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> John, speaking of those qualities, yes. let's get to the movie we're talking about this week. Oh, do we have to? <laughs> I just... Now come on, you old poop. Let's go, let's go have a good time <laughs> at the movies. Yes, because this week, because summer's coming up, I, I got wistful about our summers up on the lake in New Hampshire, so I thought it would be a good time to watch On Golden Pond. John, this this story is very personal to us, of course, because it literally mirrors our grandparents um, <laughs> in many in many literal ways, no, some not so literal. Mm-hmm. But our grandparents uh, lived in New Hampshire, and we would often visit in the summers and Christmases, and so uh, we uh, we saw a lot that was familiar in our mm-hmm. everyday lives. Even though, and obviously, this movie's beloved by our family, but this is the first time I think we ever sat down and watched it from beginning to end. And again, it's uh, we. Uh, my, our parents currently own a house up in New Hampshire, which is very reminiscent of the house in this uh, film. So again, like fr- from an outsider's perspective, watching it, uh, like going in, I was like, "Yes, this is gonna give me all the feels." <laughs> I'm just uh, totally expecting to get emotional mm-hmm. and swelling and 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 all those all those human emotions that I yes. swear I have. <laughs> Mm, not so much when I actually watched it, though. Really? Let's be. Re- yeah, this is one of those kind of like safe family movies, which is just another way of saying allergic to any kind of dramatic stakes whatsoever. Because every time something felt like it was kind of like building up or something dramatic was gonna happen, then it's like, oh, next scene. Let's move on. Yeah, it's not exactly high drama. This is based on a play mm-hmm. written by a guy named Ernest Thompson, who was, I think, drawing from his own experiences growing up in New England. And yeah, it's, it's very, it's as placid as Golden Pond itself. (laughs) No, no real wakes in this story. So um, we should probably explain the setup is a pair of septuagenarians vacation to spend their summers in New Hampshire on a lake. Mm -hmm. They've retired to Florida, but they summer in New Hampshire. Yes. On, this, on Golden Pond. Yes. Our hero is a guy named Norman. He's about to turn eighty, and so his estranged daughter is visiting with her new boyfriend and her boyfriend's son, who's a thirteen-year-old named Billy Ray. Yeah. Mm. So again, like you'd think, a lot of like kind of familial conflict will come to the fore. Instead, it's just more like a like a plastic sort of hangout. Very, very even keel. Very episodic, yep. and very boring this movie's boring <laughs> well uh, i yeah so it well i won't say boring what what it is and i think where this where this movie has had it's like kind of cultural where it's really drawn a lot of its cultural strength is in the performances of the stars and how quotable the movie is absolutely uh, yeah and so, also there's the casting this yeah, yeah. obviously henry fonda plays our main character and then his daughter jane fonda plays his daughter yeah. so and again, it was it was it was an interesting experience, you know, watching someone who's a legendary film actor, you know, willingly being like an old, infirm guy. You know, obviously, you know that anti vanity. You know, mm. Hollywood loves that when yeah. a star is kind of like <laughs> willing to accept that. You know, they're aging out of stardom. They're they're slowly going into their autumn years. No, well, uh, let's, let's be honest, winter years. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's reflecting real life. As as this movie reflects our lives in some way. Mm-hmm. And like real life, it's boring. It's, this movie's boring. <laughs> well, I, I, let's not. I, I won't. I won't accuse it of being boring. But what it is is definitely background viewing. Mm. Like I felt like I could have. You know, you could go to the kitchen, get something to eat, and not not, not miss anything really. <laughs> but you do like the chemistry that. Henry Fonda, who plays Norman, and his wife, who's played by the legendary Catherine Hepburn. Like, I like their chemistry, I like the energy of the performances, I like how kind of committed they are, because again, they don't have to, it's not a huge stretch for these two performers to play these <laughs> kind of characters. Uh, Henry Fonda being old and crotchety, and Catherine Hepburn being more vivacious and, and uh, hopeful. She's so. bringing that theatrical quality <laughs> she's always brought to all her film roles, <laughs> yes! <laughs> It's me, you old poop. <laughs> All right, I just no, I couldn't. Here's, Come here's on, how about, I, you said that with relish. Come on, I, there, has, uh, there has to be something you enjoy. No, you see, the thing that bothered me about Catherine Hepburn's character is that uh-huh. it, they didn't it didn't really feel so much like a partnership. As in, because like at least three times in the movie, we get a scene where Katherine Hepburn takes someone that uh, he's offended to the side, is like, "Oh, he's just difficult. You have to understand, he's just the way he is." It's like, that happens three times in the movie. And I just didn't care at the end. <laughs> yeah. they're like, why are, like, I we understand why Norman feels the way he does. No one likes to get older. No one likes to admit that, you know, they're in their autumn years. Mm-hmm. But there's no other, like, level to it. It's just, he's old. That's it. And he has this estranged relationship with his daughter. But it's like, there's no, like deeper level to it he's just he used to call her fat and he's never apologized <laughs> which if it. you look at an image of Jane Fonda it was grossly offensive <laughs> <laughs> Like that, that, that pissed me right off. but you are pointing at something a, a huge issue with the movie in that there there is no specificity in kind of the drama going on no, the crux of the drama is the, the strange relationship between Norman and her daughter, who now lives in yes. California and hasn't visited or called or been in communication with them for a long time. And again, you get like huge dramatic stakes with this because Jane Fonda is literally in ten minutes of the movie. So, ooh, yeah. boy, talk about high stakes. Yeah, that's the uh, yeah. There's there's one thing I'm sure they were shooting around her schedule. Cause she's a big mega star and could could only be in <laughs> one scene at the beginning and pretty much two scenes at the end. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, they never really get to the kind of the source of their conflict. I thought it was going to be something serious, like like physical abuse, for instance. Exactly. And instead, it was just that Norman was a, a little cold when he was yeah. younger. And he's a jerk. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing. Like, it's not like, again, there's no deeper meaning behind it. He's just a jerk. He's just an asshole. <laughs> So you didn't identify, identify with his character earlier. You said like you can understand how crotchety he is. I mean, he's he's in his uh, winter years. He's got heart palpitations. Like so, but in in spite of that, you still couldn't sympathize with him. No, and it's I think it's because I was expecting some kind of level of escalation. And that's another mm-hmm. problem with the movie is the fact that it's almost like the pages are out of order, because one of the big dramatic scenes that happens is he gets lost in the woods. He can't remember his way back. He yeah. eventually does find his way back because again, we're allergic to anything dramatic yes. in this movie. <laughs> um, and then, you know, he like sits on the porch and is kind of like cries. Cause he's like, again, he's starting to lose he's his weak, memory. Yeah. He's weak. And Catherine Hepburn, you know, she comforts him and gives this very powerful line. Like you're my knight in shining armor. Mm-hmm. Now get back on that horse and ride off. And I was like, wow, this is a great, beautiful line why is it happening in the first 10 minutes of the movie <laughs> this, is true. this is a line that should be in the last 10 minutes of the movie not the mm-hmm. first 10. because again we don't it doesn't you can't escalate from anywhere from there yeah. after we've got up all those silly strawberries we'll take ourselves to the old town road we've been there a thousand times down a thousand and you'll remember it all Listen to me, Mister. You're my knight in shining armor. Don't you forget it. You're going to get back on that horse, and I'm going to be right behind you, holding on tight. And away we're going to go, go, go. I don't like horses. You're right. That that line does have a lot of power to it. Thanks, thanks to the performance of Catherine Hepburn, who, and I was kind of stunned by this. You, I, I can see the little signs of um, Parkinson's that she was diagnosed with soon after this. Um, oh yeah, because yeah. she is. Yeah, she's shaking a lot. Yeah, well, which not, you not know lot, you can again, kind of chalk. She has control over it. I mean, <laughs> well, I just, you can chalk be... it up to like manic energy, because again, yeah. she's a young, vivacious seventy-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> young at heart, John. <laughs> mm-hmm. But. You're right. That I thought that scene would come later, and that would be, like, the big climax, because, again, it is such a powerful line that everybody's familiar with, even if they haven't seen On Golden Pond. Mm-hmm. But there's also another scene that I really liked, and it's the first time that somebody confronts uh, Norman on his bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it's the boyfriend. Yes, it's when they visit. Boyfriend is a, is a real... Um, uh, what's, what's the politically correct term? Ninny, let's say. He doesn't like anything outdoors. He's like, what's that? Are there bears? Was that a bug? Like, It's dark outside. <laughs> it's very cartoonish. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's a bit over the top. And obviously the, the actor is just pales in comparison to Captain Hepburn and the Fondas. So, so mm-hmm. we can forget about him. But he does have this great moment. It's just him and um, Henry Fonda sitting together. Mm-hmm. And you know he's uh, Henry Fonda's throwing out his little quips, is is uh he's uh making hurtful little comments and yeah, well Bill's trying to like connect, he's trying to make like casual conversation and yeah. Norman's just having none of it. He's just like, oh, what does that mean? How much do you tr-? like again? And he's just like not answering any of his questions and just changing the subject just to kind of mess with him. Yeah again mess with him you're right because he is he is a bit of a jerk and <laughs> and finally this was so refreshing just to say uh, bill the boyfriend character basically saying like i i get it like yeah. like i see what you're trying to do mm-hmm. but you know i love your daughter and i'm just gonna i'm just gonna plow through this i'm gonna or i think he's his exact wording is like i'm gonna try to be nice in this situation like i'm gonna be a regular human being you can be your crotchety old uh a-hole yeah. which is itself but yeah i'm gonna do my best here so Mm -hmm. take it or leave it and again it's a great scene however yeah it's kind of followed by like uh, the other characters are just off skinny dipping like there's no there's no ray's intention from there no absolutely not and again it would have more emotional weight if he was actually there for the rest of the summer but again he's gone for the rest of the movie yeah that that speaks to the i guess we should explain the, the real plot that happens in the middle act is they actually leave billy ray there for a month Yes, he leaves his thirteen-year-old son because, again, he's out for the summer. Yeah, they can't really babysit him, so they're like, "Here, stay with your yeah. maybe future grandparents. Yeah. T- stay with these two strangers in a state that you don't live in." <laughs> yeah. They, so they elope to parenting. while they elope to <laughs> Europe. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful parenting on display here. Yeah. <laughs> it, the kid it, off. it was it was the late seventies, early eighties. It was a different time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was free-range <laughs> children. They just they were like savages. <laughs> so and. Again, you think this is setting up, like, the Norman and Billy Ray relationship. That should be the main crux of the story. Yeah. Is that, you know, Norman, obviously, this octogenarian, c- reconnecting with this, like, kind of brash youth. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they'll meet somewhere in the middle, and, you know, he'll he'll gain a new vivaciousness for life. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that happen? Kind of. <laughs> well, Maybe. It's, yeah. What happens is that everybody conforms to Norman, pretty much. That's, and, that's, and yeah, and that's my problem is the fact that again we need Katherine Hepburn to pull everyone aside and be like, oh, just deal with him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, granted, she's been his wife for over fifty years at this point. <laughs> she's she knows better than anybody else, yeah. I suppose. Just just let it go. <laughs> that's the best advice you can give. I've been answering to Norman all my life. Makes me so mad, even when I'm three thousand miles away and I don't even see him. I'm still answering to him. Norman is a goddamn poop. Oh, for the Lord's sake, here we go, Ben. You had a miserable childhood. Father was overbearing the mother. ignored you. What else is new? Chelsea. You have a great big chip on your shoulder, which is very unattractive. It is, it is. You stay away for years at a time. You never come home unless I beg you to, and then when you do, all you can do is be disagreeable about the past. What's the point? Don't you think that everyone looks back on their childhood with a certain amount of bitterness and regret about something? It doesn't have to ruin your life, darling. You're a big girl now. Aren't you tired of it all? Boa, boa, boa. Life marches by, Chelsea. I suggest you get on with it. And you're right. Because, yeah, you think he's he's a brash youth, and you'd think there'd be some greater, he'd act out more, or you know, mm. demonstrate that anger at being kind of abandoned by his parents in this moment, but instead he's like, uh, oh yeah, fishing, cool. <laughs> like, he's he's way more amenable to Norman and his attitude, even though you think in a, in a movie with more stakes, like, he wouldn't be. Well, no, and again, it's because the movie's so poorly structured, and again, it feels like pages are out of order, because we do initially get that, like, maybe, like, one scene, forget it, one and a half lines of like, no, I'm not doing that. And it's like, yes, you are. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and again, it's like, we get these little vignettes, these little episodes where again, nothing particularly dramatic happens. It just kind of gets forgotten about. One that kind of stuck out in my head is he, uh, Norman's making a fire yeah. and he accidentally leaves the newspaper that he used for kindling out and he didn't cover the screen so obviously, some very Manchester by the Sea, yeah. um, some embers get out, and you know he almost lights the house on fire. Thankfully, uh, you know his wife is there to catch it in time, and you know he has a Billy little sad face. Quickly too, yeah, yeah, and he has a little sad face, and he's like, oh, again, like another proof that he's getting older, and yeah. you know he can't be trusted anymore. Well, that's, and then what hap- And then what happens after that? Uh, nothing. Next scene. Next yeah, scene. Nothing. nothing comes like again, no escalation. It's yeah. just kind of thrown in there. Yeah, and. I, I think the stakes in that scene, or I thought where it was going to go, is he actually scolds Billy, even though the fire was his fault. I, oh yeah, because he he uses the water that they were keeping the fish in to douse yeah. the flames, and now the fish are all ruined. Yeah, and yeah. so like, and, and again, he scolds Billy, and I thought like, but again, Billy forgives him immediately. Whatever dramatic <laughs> stakes we had are just instantly out the window. Exactly. Yeah. Ugh, like funny. literally, the, fi- the fire the, of the, the drama of the fire is immediately put out, and you know, nothing's <laughs> resolved. <laughs> And then that also happens with the boating accident. Ah, my my other favorite scene. This, <laughs> so yeah, if if we can speak to any the highest point of drama, there's one final reconciliation between. It's the Norm... closest thing the movie comes to a climax. Yeah, basically. Yeah, even though it goes on for another thirty minutes or so. <laughs> but yeah, this this scene has the highest of uh, life and death stakes. So like uh, Moby, Di- or sorry, like Captain Ahab. <laughs> Norman is uh seeking after this giant bass called Walter. Mm-hmm. Claims it's like twenty two pounds. It's huge. Yes. And he's and so they they basically made it their mission this summer to catch Walter. Yeah. And I was surprised he didn't force him to read like Moby Dick in case he missed the connections. Instead instead no, they instead read he... Treasure Island. <laughs> exactly. Close enough. Yeah.
1: Which <laughs> I think literature. I
0: think um Walter was, or Walter, I think Norman was supposed to be a college professor too, but again, it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter what his personality or ticks or characteristics are. It, it's, it's fine. I, I, maybe I was thinking it was like, maybe it was like a reference to, um, who was afraid of Virginia Woolf. Cause again, like if, if they tweaked it a little bit, it could be as acidic and kind of like unsympathetic as that movie is or that play is. But again, like, he's just kind of a jerk and a curmudgeon, and he kind of like messes with people, but not like psychologically, obviously, like George does, and who's afraid of Virginia Woolf, so. Yeah, but. In, yeah. in any event, yeah, back back to but the scene. But that's a good play, yeah. so uh, sure. Um, I'd, I'd rather watch it rather than Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf again. But in any event, you are you are provably wrong. You are provably wrong on so many levels. John, let's get to the scene. So they okay. go to they go to it's it's getting dark out, but he wants to he wants to find Walter, and they go to Purgatory Cove. Ooh. <laughs> In their in their nice boat. That's this is one thing where our lives our lives certainly didn't reflect the movie. I don't know where the hell they got this money for this awesome boat, but <laughs> they have like four boats. Yeah, that's, that's true. They have a little. They have a canoe. They have a canoe with an outboard motor. Yeah, and then they have some, like, and then they have this gigantic speedboat. This beautiful speedboat. Oh yeah, like teak deck, like it's it's beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, they they have to traverse these very shallow rocks, mm-hmm. and. I forget. Um, Initially, it looks like they were going to catch something. Instead, it's a dead loon. Yeah. And they decide to throw it back. And again, oh. oh, That's symbolism, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, Powerful uh, stuff. Yeah. It's uh, one of the writer's tools of the trade. (laughs) (laughs) But before, when uh, we had Norman driving and Billy kind of piloting through the rocks, you know, telling him where to go. Mm -hmm. Now, on the way out, now it's really dark and in the middle of the night, and now mm-hmm. the the roles are reversed. He lets, Norman lets Billy drive and he tries to spot yeah. the rocks. I mean, it's kind of like a, it kind of works on two levels there because again, obviously Norman wants to prove that he can still navigate. He can still see as well as Billy, but also he wants to give Billy the chance to drive because obviously Billy needs to prove himself as well. Yeah. So that kind of works, but <laughs> then they crash the boat. in Probably the most hysterical scene in the movie. (laughs) I'm sorry. The sight of what happens is Billy accidentally hits the throttle and they ram straight into a rock, and and Norman goes flying. Norman is jettisoned. And sorry, the sight of an 80 year old man (laughs) being jettisoned off a boat made me laugh. (laughs) Greg, this is supposed to be a dramatic moment. How dare you? He could have died. I'm sorry. (sighs) You're a horrible person. Hey, if, if people love that Bad Grandpa movie, this is basically <laughs> Bad Grandpa Distilled. This was the inspiration. Like, let's hurl an old man <laughs> off these objects. Bad, reverse, full throttle, reverse! reverse. reverse. Norman, oh. oh Norman no Oh Norman please! Oh, oh god Norman So then Billy Ray goes to swim. He rescues them, and they and they they lay on this rock for a while. And they're mm-hmm. like, "What's gonna happen? Are we gonna get saved?" And yes, they get saved. Yeah, <laughs> thank goodness. Yeah, yeah. Basically, Catherine Betfern goes to the uh, the mailman, whose character a character I can't even remember. He's such a nothing <laughs> presence in the story. So <laughs> well, and they also give him like a plot, of uh, like a subplot where he actually was in love with Jane Fonda's character. And, like, never did anything with it. And so when they actually meet again, you know, he's like, you're a very lucky man. You know, and it's yeah. kind of creepy. <laughs> like, it's supposed to come off as, like, a loved one. But it, no, it's like, you had your chance. And you said no. And you stayed. You're yeah. an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, I think they had to acknowledge the um, cheesecake shots of Jane Fonda, of the beautiful Jane Fonda in a two-piece bathing suit. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, if I were Billy Ray, I'd be like, "But well, I gotta, I gotta go for five minutes." <laughs> I mean, she's not my biological mom, so it's... <laughs> oh, you're a horrible person. I just, I'm just telling. Laughing <it like laughs> <it laughs> at a poor man who could have died and making jokes about a teenager jerking it off to his stepmom. You're a bad person. <laughs> I'm just telling you like it is. Would Would these things make it more interesting than than the actual movie? Huh? Anything would make this movie more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I I disagree. Yes. I I thought this was just a nice pleasant experience, which might explain why. A little bit of trivia for folks: this was the second highest-grossing movie in 1981. And After... can you picture <laughs> a movie starring two 80-year-olds being anywhere near the top 10 highest-grossing movie? Black Panther has grossed over 600 million. Imagine just below that is a movie like On Golden Pond. <laughs> Again, this was second to Indiana Jones for crying out loud. Yeah. So, I, like, come on. It had some cultural impact. Won three Oscars. Yeah. Awful performances. It's boring. <laughs> boring. This movie's so boring. So the other thing too was, I I was checking my Netflix thing to see how much time was left, and there yeah. was an error. So it's like about half an hour into the movie, it's it had told me that only like ten minutes had passed. I was like, that's impossible. <laughs> oh my gosh, this movie's interminable. Because <laughs> it's only like ninety minutes, and which thank God it's two hours, and it's fine. It's all fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's pleasant. Just the like. Greg's signature seal of approval. It's yeah, fine. It's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. No, you know what it is distilled into one word: pleasant. Like uh, Pleasant Lake in New London, New Hampshire, ah. former former home of our uh, our esteemed and lovely grandparents. Well, so fun trivia fact, not mm-hmm. that fun, but it was filmed on Lake Winnipesaukee, which is apparently the Atlanta of the 80s, because they filmed a bunch of movies on <laughs> Lake Winnipesaukee. Yeah. Apparently they got really good tax breaks back then. Uh, this movie and What About Bob specifically I can think about. So Yeah, which is, I, I'm actually going to call it out for, yes, this movie reflects our lives, and our personal lives in some way, um, mm-hmm. but I'm just going to call out some moments of BS. Number one. <laughs> The no movies... one delivers the mail by boat anymore. Come yeah, on. Nobody, yeah, nobody delivers the mail by boat because this is, it's called On Golden Pond, mm. and ponds are supposed to be small, and you look out <laughs> on the landscape. They filmed literally on New Hampshire's first and third biggest lakes, <laughs> <laughs> and they just go on for like miles. Exactly. It's ridiculous. <laughs> NPS number two. They they go fishing. And they're using worms or something like that. Yet they yet they they managed to count. They managed to catch at least three uh, trout, mm. which is ridiculous. Last time I went fishing, we had a sophisticated lure. I could only get pickerel. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and that pod was stocked. goddammit. it. Yeah, <laughs> it's outrageous. This movie's no. the Lord of the Rings is less fantastic. Than this movie. <laughs> Look, don't don't blame the movie for your poor fishing skills. Okay? I am a great fisherman. Well, I had, a, a, good, te- I had a good lure. <laughs> You're a terrible angler. Right, yeah, but still, I, I my overall impression was good. I'm sorry mm. you were bored. And, you know, couldn't play your Pokemon's or your, your Well, World this Warcraft, this so. failed my litmus test. Oh, Which is, boy. I have a very simple test of whether I'm enjoying myself in the movie. Mm-hmm. If I'm checking the IMDb page before the movie is over, I know I'm not having a good time. <laughs> I yes. know I'm not engaged. And mm-hmm. I was definitely not engaged. Yes, you, you, you've explained this. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I, w- I, w- I was waiting for it to pick up. I thought there was going to be some escalation. I thought there was going to be some dramatic stakes. But it never happened. It never mm. happened. Yeah. doesn't go anywhere. <sighs> and there's nothing wrong with an episodic movie. But again, make it a lark. Don't make it like, oh, the serious, serious <laughs> movie. <laughs> About poor Henry Fonda dying in yeah. front of your eyes. <laughs> well, don't make it a movie about how the old crotchety man is always right. And you have to, you have to conform <laughs> to his will. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, Oh, Greg, is it, is it Thursday at 10? Cause I think it's time for everyone's favorite medical drama. Script doctors. Do- oh, nice. <laughs> I have, I have one major suggestion for this movie. And I think it would make it work so much better. Okay. Which is make him not the main character. Because the thing is, the movie follows him the whole time, except for those scenes where Catherine Hepburn pulls people aside and it's like, you just have to accept him for the way he is. Mm -hmm. If he was more of kind of an enigmatic background character, kind of unknowable, Mm -hmm. and again, when he enters the scene, then it's like, oh, great, now everything's going to go to shit. That would make it so much more interesting. But instead, we spend so much time, you know, as he looks at old newspaper clippings and then looks up at the mirror and sees how much time has passed. Yeah, yeah. Like, again, the movie follows him around, like, again, we're supposed to sympathize with him, because it's like, oh, he's old, mm, that sucks, but again, like, he's just a jerk, and again, yeah. no, it never goes anywhere. Like, like the other scene that's emblematic of, like, the whole problem with this movie is they go to get gas, they're gassing up their boat, Yeah. and he stops, and there's these two teenagers, and they're cracking wise, and he's like, yeah. you think it's funny getting old? Can't even go to the bathroom when I want to. And again, he's like, he kind of threatens them with fisticuffs. Yeah. <laughs> And again, then they just drive off. And of equa- course, yeah. Well, Catherine Hepburn defuses the situation, thankfully. I'm surprised they. I'm surprised they stopped laughing then. Like I would have kept laughing. <laughs> exactly. Also, that kid's chest was way too defined for that age. He was like 15, and he had like a six-pack. That wasn't right. <laughs> I, I did notice that he had. A, he has a button-down shirt that's open. Yeah, I'm that's... sure. That was like a. That was like a director's choice. Like if you got it, flaunt it. So mm, I don't yeah. know. Who directed, my- nah, Who directed this? Joel Schumacher. Who directed this? Brian Singer. <laughs> <laughs> Who directed this? Clive Barker. I, don't know. I, I ran out of gay directors. <laughs> well, John, we might be speaking about a gay director later, so hang tight. Ooh. Yeah. But my okay. only note for in terms of script doctor is uh, to make this more like the Ice Storm, like really <laughs> up the up the stakes of the, it really lock them in, and then just have them really air out this stuff and maybe have sex with each other or something. <laughs> Oh, another big dramatic thing is like, oh, Bill wants to sleep in the same bed as Jane Fonda. Well, not that's not a big dramatic thing. It's their first point of contention, though. He's he's again he's he's tiptoeing around this whole situation. He's obviously uncomfortable, and so he Mm -hmm. he goes to Norman and just be like, "Hey, is it okay if you know? I know you're a traditional guy. Is it okay if we if we sleep together even though we're not married?" Mm. And um, again, like Norman, again Norman's fine with it, but he's just using it to play games with him. Just get inside yeah. his head, so. Whatever. <laughs> Dumb movie. Bad movie. Boring. How dare watch. you. How dare Thumbs you. Thumbs down. Bummer, I'm Trademark sorry. Trademark Ebert Incorporated. <laughs> Look, I don't have to like this movie. It's not an affront to our grandparents, okay? It's no, not it's an just... affront to the whole state of New Hampshire, all right? You're right. <laughs> Norman, Norman is nothing like our papa, was a much more kind, <laughs> kind and loving man, so. God rest. Yep. You've been talking about death ever since we met, but this is the first time I really felt it. Hmm? How's it feel? Oh, feels odd, cold. I guess. Not not that bad, really. Not so. Lightning, almost comforting. That's such a bad place to go. I don't know. <laughs> mm. Oh, Norman. My... Mm. Oh, God. Well, don't you want to say goodbye to the lake? Do you think you're strong enough? Uh, I think so. If I fall over face first in the water, (laughs) you'll know I wasn't. Well, take it easy, for God's sake. I'm only good for one dim mess a day. Uh, Hello there. Hi. Wanna dance? Or would you rather just suck face? No, you really are a case, you know. Uh, That's listen. The loons. They come around to say goodbye. Oh, I forgot where I am. What were we talking about? <laughs> where am I? That's why I'm glad we're recording now. This movie was like kind of leaving my brain space. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, you still recommend it. <laughs> yeah. In fact, the movie I'm about to talk about for Spotlight. Yeah. Spotlight. Spotlight. Yeah, but, but whatever. Sound drop. <laughs> 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 I conflated a detail with. Uh, the on Golden Pond with the movie that I'm going to talk about for that I'm going to recommend right. to the masses. Oh, okay. recommend to our listeners. Yeah, not the masses. Right. That, a massive audience doesn't listen to this. Well, flow, just get on with it, girl. I don't have much time left. <laughs> All right, then let's get on to our spotlight. Spotlight, 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 spotlight. It's time, Robbie. It's time. Yes. But we already did the sound drop. Damn it. Yeah. You ruined it. (laughs) I'm sorry. We'll do it again right now. Spotlight. 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 It's time, Robbie. It's time. So well organized here. Yeah. Anyway, what do you have for Spotlight, Greg? I have a sneaking suspicion I already know (laughs) based on context clues. Yes. Well, yeah, we mentioned uh, uh, gay directors before. Mm -hmm. And I saw a film by uh, a director you're very familiar with. Because he's only directed three or four feature films. You've seen two of them. This is my first. Yeah, um, and his dir- first one is, uh, even by his standards, garbage. So <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, for, thanks for bringing that up. Listen, I'm going to be positive here. And, okay. And commend him for what a good job he did. Uh, the director's <laughs> name is Andrew Haig. Mm-hmm. He's English. And uh, the movie he did was Lean on Pete. Pete! <laughs> have you heard of this movie? Yes, I have. It's about a boy and his horse. From the outside, that's what you think it's about. Yeah, in the grand tradition of '90s kids and animal movies that we enjoyed growing up, uh, mm-hmm. *Homeward Bound*, Dunstan Checks In*, <laughs> mm-hmm. *Free Willy*. Does the black stallion kind of count? That was kind of that was '80s, but that that came out in 1979. Yeah. Oh no, there was one in '94 too. Yeah. Wait, really? No, oh, that was no, you're thinking Beauty. of *Black Beauty*. That was *Black Beauty*. Yeah. Yeah. See, the old the old noggin's still working. Yeah. <laughs> so like black beauty it's a gorgeous portrait of a boy and his horse and everything Aww. works out great <laughs> Aww. Yeah. i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> no of course not this is this is my kind of movie down to earth realistic where poor kids are put through the wringer <laughs> cuz life is cuz my life is frictionless and i need <laughs> i need pain and suffering <laughs> in order to feel something <laughs> i'm kidding of course but that's Ed, this movie's a, a realistic portrait of um young man. Uh, He's in high school. He's played by Mm -hmm. a young actor named Charlie Plummer, and he's playing a character named Charlie, coincidentally. Grandson of Chris Plummer, perchance? Actually, I I just found out no no relation, No, even though they were in a movie together, uh, All the Money in the World, that came out last winter. Interesting. So I just learned no relation. But Hmm. he's uh, a young, lower-class kid. Uh, His father's moving around. They moved from Spokane to uh, to, uh, Spokane, Washington, to Portland for work. Mm-hmm. Um, and he picks up some work at a uh, little racetrack. He, he falls in with a trainer, played by Steve Buscemi, who's great. He adds a lot of levity. There's a jockey, played by Chloe C- Sevigny. She, she's very bra- <laughs> brassy, like all her best, <laughs> like all her best performances. Like, she plays strong. And so great mm-hmm. performances there. However, he grows a strong bond with a five-year-old racehorse, a uh, quarter horse. like Again, can only run short track stuff, named Lean On Pete and oh went, so the the, the the horse's name isn't pete it's no. literally lean on pete no it's called lean on pete yeah come on john oh, okay. you know about horses names <laughs> that's true they're all dumb as hell yeah. okay american pharaoh like <laughs> what, <laughs> what, what do you think his name was actually pharaoh come on <laughs> and they were just referring to his nationality come, anyway <laughs> no his full name is lean on pete and uh yeah he's five years old he's not he's not long for this world however mm-hmm. charlie develops a strong bond for him and he escapes yeah. and he and he endeavors to go uh, all the way to uh, Laramie Wyoming where his aunt lives okay and he's going to put this horse out to stud <laughs> well i so the, the journey doesn't go according to plan <laughs> what <laughs> you're telling me a teenage boy can't walk around with a horse all day <laughs> uninterrupted unmolested yeah. Well, exactly. Well, it's the, the only molestation is from the forces of nature, really. Oh. I mean, again, this is very down to earth. He does have some like interesting encounters. However, it's just him and this horse, pretty much, and just how much life is kind of like bearing down on him, and how the horse is not really long for this world. Uh, not mm-hmm. to not to spoil anything, but <laughs> <laughs> I will I will say it does have a measure of a, an affirmative ending okay but yeah it's it's really about kind of a it's a it's a really realistic movie about a loss of innocence that you know is has... <laughs> an affirmative ending two words glue factory <laughs> no it, it doesn't quite get there um, okay but, but well i was gonna say they there's implication that they send him down to mexico for dog food but <laughs> oh oh that's even worse <laughs> yeah <laughs> But no, I, uh, Charlie endeavors not to not not to sell him down to Mexico. Instead, you know, just does his best to to maintain this uh, this relationship with this horse, in spite of um, kind of forces of nature conspiring against it. The forces of mm-hmm. nature in life, but again, extremely well done. I mean, would you expect anything less? I I don't know. I mean, you could you could accuse it of being boring sometimes, <laughs> um, especially in the first like. 15 minutes or so when he's just kind of pottering around the house uh he's an athlete so he runs he just runs around the neighborhood and it doesn't amount to much so mm. so again maybe and i i had some problems with the third act um when charlie is somewhat of on his own lean on pete isn't in the isn't in the picture anymore um or maybe he'll come back <laughs> <laughs> And he deals with, like, homelessness and a, and a few other things. And I thought, like, we're kind of losing the plot here or something like that. It was about a boy <laughs> and his horse, and now it's just about Charlie, just stone-faced in, in light of his troubles. And I, gu- I, like I got to say, it is a really good performance by Charlie Plummer in that the, the character is still growing up. He's still a blank slate. And so, like, he doesn't overreact in any situations. I mean, he's he doesn't, there's no histrionics there. Instead, he's he's just grimly determined. Okay, And he, as you can see, like he's also very individualistic and, and kind of refuses to ask for help in a lot of situations. So, Well, of course, he's a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> he wants Great to point. prove himself. Great point, yeah. I, I, I am interested in reading the book on which this movie is based um, because it bears a lot of similarities to one of my favorite books. the uh, <laughs> oh. spotlight here. Uh, a book by Cormac McCarthy called The Crossing. Oh jeez. Uh, yeah, where we follow young it's no John, it's even better. It's more badass because he it follows young Billy Parnum uh taking a pregnant she wolf Corrine McCarthy's <laughs> words, she wolf <laughs> down into uh Mexico so that she could give birth to her pups. Um and that goes about as well as uh, the journey in this wo in this movie. Okay. <laughs> See, the the audience doesn't know. Like, whenever we're not recording, Greg's just going, Have you read the latest Cormac McCarthy? Have you read this Cormac McCarthy? (laughs) I love Cormac McCarthy. Let me tell you about Cormac McCarthy. You say that, but you haven't (laughs) seen The Counselor like I have. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Look, screenwriting's hard. Okay. It is. The the movie's too gynecological to be sexy. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Great pull quote. Great pull (laughs) quote. (laughs) Yep. That is the work of a, a deserving Nobel Prize winner. When's it going to happen, Nobel Committee? Come on, give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> How about Pulitzer first, okay? That's a little more... He already has for The Road and other great Oh, moves. okay. All I right, think, actually, enough. no, just The Road, yeah. Okay. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, well, I, now I feel bad because my uh, my spotlight is equally as depressing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, well, John, it's chasing the the pleasantness and placidity of uh, On Golden Pond. How about that, there you let's go give there it, you let's go. give it let's give him something real huh yeah this not this, not this anodyne fantasy land fantasy version of uh lakeside new hampshire let's give me yeah. something real and raw let's do it yeah so an animated movie here we go <laughs> so <laughs> i was i still haven't yet to see isle of dog so i can't even call myself a wes anderson fan anymore I, yeah, I, i've thrown away that's my a good badge. Badge. thing that's a good thing john <laughs> and I've, i quit the fan club um be. But because of that, I've been jonesing for some stop-motion animation. I just need it. I need it in my life all the time. So I was scouring Netflix, and I came across an Oscar-nominated film, uh, an animated film that I hadn't gotten a chance to watch yet. It was in my queue, and it's called My Life as a Zucchini. I've heard of this. I remember Mm -hmm. it. Uh, Very distinctive animation style, very round heads, um, big eyes, like a cucumber Mm -hmm. nose. (laughs) Um, I I wouldn't go that far, but... (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yes, it's, if you've ever heard of Mary and Max, it's very reminiscent of that mm-hmm. film, which is, you know, it's stop motion and the characters are all very exaggerated they're all very unrealistically proportioned and you can see kind of the craft work is very obvious and that's very intentional yeah. um, the story follows a boy uh, his nickname is Zucchini, I can't remember his real name, it, it sounds zu- like Zucchini and that's kind of how he developed the nickname mm-hmm. his dad is out of the picture and his mom is an Alki so we're starting from a great place, Yep. <laughs> and he ends up at a orphanage called Fontaines, <laughs> and we get to meet all the other uh, Isle of Lost children who believe that you know no one loved them because all their parents abandoned them. <laughs> so we're already off mm. to a roaring start. All right, <laughs> it's it, starting off. It's a very melancholy film. So this is yeah. This was my impression of it, and why I've actually avoided <laughs> watching it. Um, <laughs> In addition, hey, at least it's it's colorful, though, right? I mean, <laughs> I guess that's kind of the the ironic purpose of it is that it's very colorful. It's obviously, and you can make the argument that because it's from the viewpoint of a nine year old, yeah, and you know he's he's very artistic. He draws a lot. Like maybe this is kind of like one of his drawings come to life. Because again, the proportions are all off. Everyone's arms are way too lanky. Everyone's heads are too big. Mm-hmm. And one of the little touches that I like is that he writes letters to a lot of people there's a cop who in the english version is voiced by nick offerman who kind of takes an interest in him and he writes some letters and what i like is you know there's voiceover narrating the letters but when we see him reading the letters it's all just drawings so we don't know if he actually wrote him a letter or he's expected or to remember okay from these pictures what's yeah. okay. happening okay and again it's, it's it starts off very sad very tragic because again um his dad's out of the picture but he still kind of idealizes his father when he draws his father he gives him a cape and, like, superhero accoutrement, mm-hmm. but then also surrounds him by chickens, because the reason why his father left is because he went to go chase chicks. Ah. So that's how he interpreted that. <laughs> and when he's forced to kind of live in the orphanage, uh, he kind of has a beer... He keeps a beer can with him. It's one of his kind of, like, treasured objects, because mm-hmm. that's how he remembers his mom. <laughs> because his mom was an alcoholic. <laughs> listen, listen, when life is too tragic to confront we use metaphor and figurative <laughs> figurative objects and language to kind of face those the, those traumatic times so i understand it you know but... mm-hmm. of course because you're a writer Greg. you're an author uh, you know these yeah. things but it, you know it's it starts out very melancholic but it, you know it builds itself up to something earnest and very heartfelt and very endearing towards the end and a uh, very mm-hmm. slight movie it's barely over an hour it's about okay. uh, 72 minutes right. which understandable because it's a stop motion film so but it's very sweet very powerful. If you liked *Mary and Max*, there's no reason why you shouldn't like this. Honestly, okay. it's probably better than *Mary and Max* because it's less dramatically obvious as that movie is. <laughs> what, what do you mean? What's wrong with *Mary and Max*? Oh, an agoraphobic character. I wonder if, in a moment of need, he'll finally find the courage to oh, get outside. Right. Okay, I see that. Yeah, <laughs> little too obvious. Well, I, yeah. Well, I didn't see the. Uh, yeah, *Mary Max's story of two pen pals. I did not see one pen pal's husband like kind of running off. So that was an interesting, kind mm-hmm. of sad twist there. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, go see Mary Max. Mary Max is good, and maybe, maybe you might be turning me on to this zucchini movie. Eh? Even though I don't it's like zucchini, it's very sweet. It's okay. very, that's a reason not to like it. Exactly. <laughs> I hate golden ponds. You hate zucchini, so <laughs> 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 we'll never we'll never meet in the middle. Yeah, no. <laughs> John, I know where we can come to some consensus, though. What, what are you talking about? It's a place where like-minded people can come together and connect. A cult. Got it. Let's yeah. go. Yes. John and I are starting Movieology. <laughs> it's all about the worship of movies. Yes. It's you come in, it. you get a free stress test. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're gonna fail. All right. Just <laughs> warning you right now. It's a, it's a hard test. And <laughs> don't worry. But we have the therapy for you. It's called movies. Yes. And we came up with the problem, so we have the solution. Yes, and I gave I give I give up Lord movies. I hold up Lord movies <laughs> <laughs> as an example that can therapize us all. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So give us a once you give us a deposit, uh, three thousand dollars for your stress test. <laughs> um, we'll offer you a few more materials for a very fair fee. Uh, once you do that, go ahead and like our Facebook page, and start following us on Twitter. Indeed. And then, if you have comments or recommendations, you can reach out to us directly. Come to us. We're yeah. here for you. Absolutely. We'll help you discover your Filmstruck 4. Mm-hmm. We'll give you the answers you need when yep. you email us at AspiringSnobs at gmail.com. Yeah. And be sure to ask your cable provider for Movieology Network, <laughs> <laughs> our new network, based on our espousing our beliefs and bringing people together to the power mm-hmm. of television. Yep. And it's only a billion-year contract, okay? We're not, we're not ridiculous, okay? That's we wouldn't it. ask for a trillion years. That's a bargain. <laughs> and then once you're done with that, mm-hmm. why don't you go to your podcast service of choice, hit that subscribe button, give us a review, rate us five stars, and then you'll help other people come to Filmology. <laughs> Praise Those and blessings names. upon our names. Yeah. <laughs> John, what are we watching next week? Well, Greg, I, I had another reason. Why I wanted to do On Golden Pond this week. Why? Because it stars Henry Fonda. Yeah. And as we all know, Henry Fonda was one of the most famous westerns of all time. Once Upon a Time in the West? Exactly. Yeah, A and, movie that we've looked at before. And uh, wh- wh- what's this? There's a, new sh- there's a new season premiering of a show I particularly love called Westworld. Okay, John, where are you going with this? <laughs> oh, I'm building up big announcement, guys. Because okay. for the next month... That's right. Five solid weeks. We'll be revisiting westerns. Westerns of all shapes and sizes. It's Western month. Yeehaw! Remember in that bonus episode where we said like superhero movies will be like westerns? <laughs> like, a, like a fossil of a bygone age? <laughs> it was a tease. It was a tease. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed it was. So yeah, we're going to be looking at old westerns. Next week, we'll be starting early with the 1939 film Stagecoach. John Wayne's big break. Mm-hmm. And part of Roger Ebert's great movies. Absolutely, I've seen I've seen it before. You haven't, so no, I have not. No, I, I'm just I'm just such I'm such a fool, and there, yeah. there's so little time left. What's happening? <laughs> Who are these people? <laughs> why does it smell like burning toast? <laughs> why is my arm Oh, it's because I've literally almost lit the house on fire. That's why uh, it smells okay. like burning yeah. toast. Yeah. Where are my shoes? <laughs> Speaking of fires, I should probably go put that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's hurry on out of here. Thank yes. you everybody for listening. And until next week. Keep aspiring.